Hello, everyone, and welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name's James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning in to today's podcast from. And on today's podcast, um, we're going to be talking to Mandy Mayhill. Mandy is the uh, founder uh, of Mango Pie, an event management company based in London that was founded back in 2007, I believe, Mandy. And welcome along to the podcast. Thank you very much. Um, yes, so I suppose there's, there's a first point of clarification. Is 2007 correct? Is about, about 12, 13 years in the business now? Yeah, um, coming up to 12 full years, um, really. It was a great time that we started just before the recession. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so we've had our, um, our roller coaster ride of 12 years, but, you know, it's, it's, it's been exciting. On that subject, um, just to begin with, um, I've spoken to a lot of companies um, on the podcast over the last few years um, that have started around that same sort of time, 2006, 2007. um, And instinctively, the first thing to think is, wow, the financial crash was 2008. Um, But I'm, I'm always surprised at how many of those companies actually look back and say that actually made them stronger and put them in a better position today because of how hard they had to work for the business in those early years. Were you, were you guys in a similar position where because of that you, you found yourselves working even harder than, than you may have had to do so? Yeah, well, just to clarify, when you say you guys, there was no mm. you guys, it was me for a very long time. Um, and the interesting thing was what we did find that happened uh, when the recession happened was a lot of people became redundant and started up their all startup businesses anyway. Mm, yeah. So therefore, I'd been doing it for a couple of years by then, um, at which point I, well, I had learned how to how do that, how to, you know, um, make it for, for my company, how to then set it up, website, domains, hostings be your own IT person, your own accountant, you know, doing VAT registrations and quarterly, all that I had to learn very quickly um, and had done so. And in two years, I was now, I I had a good foundation set of Mm -hmm. um, the runnings of the business. And, um, and what I say is rather than running, working, in my business, I was able yeah. to then by that time work on my business, which was that I was then be able, I was able to uh, go out and get some, um, get some business and um, find clients and, and, um, and make it work. By which time, you know, I was established for two years. And as I said, I already had previous, I was lucky I had previous clients that um, had moved along with me in my previous 10 years of working in the events industry. So when I did start up Mango Pie, they wanted to continue working with me. Um, Mm -hmm. And the lovely quote that I used to hear a lot was, well, we never worked with you because of the company that you're in. We worked with you because of you. Um, And I think that's a really good sort of um, basis of um, what we're trying to talk about even today of how I think... um, I think that's what gives longevity is when, uh, in, in business is having that loyalty and taking that time to, ha- to build that relationship with mm. people. And when it comes to taking the time to build the relationship, something that I noticed on um, on your website um, was that, that you you openly said that there are no there are no brochures, there are no um, packages and things that you know if somebody gets in touch with you, it's not just a case of right here's some packages that we offer. Everything is designed on a bespoke level from the ground up on a case by case basis for every client that you work with, and 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 I suppose that attitude towards delivering events ties in with with having this loyalty from from customers and people dealing with people 
Yeah, absolutely. And we, um, I understand how companies will have to have packages and and um, systemize their way that you know in in such a in such a fashion um, because of the sheer volume mm -hmm. um, of what of of um, inquiries that they get. Um, I was never. My intention was never to create um, a big factory wheel of creating events. Mm -hmm. um, that was the reason why I set up Mango Pie in the first place. I was running about three events a week. Um, it literally got to a point that I would throw a folder down on my desk in the morning after doing an event the night before and picking up the event folder that I was going to be running with for tonight. Um, it was... Um, it was very mechanical. It was very factory wheel. It was, you know, um, inserting numbers into boxes sure. kind of a system. And I didn't believe that's what events should really be about. And um, it's a hell of a lot of money throwing an event, a hell of yes. a lot of money. And I, and I, and I used to think I couldn't, I couldn't see the value that the client was getting from it, doing mm. it in such a fashion. Um, and that's why kept it very small. Even now, 12 years on, we only do about an average of 20 events a year. Yeah. Um, and there is, and, and, and if a wedding at all, it'll be one wedding, no more than that, because it's just so time consuming. Sure. Um, uh, and the whole point is that we want to give that value of our time to um, our, our, our clients. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things that, that we wanted to get you on on the podcast today to, to, to sort of talk about and discuss is this is this idea that, that there is this formulaic way, I suppose, in certain uh, areas of the events industry like you, you've experienced where you pick up the folder, you tick the boxes, you put the numbers into the box, you know, it's events by numbers. Um, but that, that, that this sort of model in a way does does need to rethink itself it needs to change and something needs to change to, to, to deliver better value not just to the clients that you're working to presumably but for the attendees the people who are coming to these events yeah exactly um it's an interesting um way that things have evolved in, in events and just in in general in life i just think um everybody has become a lot more time poor mm. and um and and the problem is, is that um, although we have given, been given so many more tools these days, more than ever before, to be able to communicate to more people, um, it's almost as if we've forgotten how to actually talk to an individual. And, and I think our focus has gone into the bigger numbers, isn't it? It's like, how yeah. many followers can we get? How many likes can we get? How many people can we reach? And the further our voice can get to, the more our message will be heard. Well, I kind of sometimes think that, yes, your message will be heard, but will it, will it really resonate to the person listening? You yeah. know, um, and we have found that, the, that with, with the clients that we have, that there are, um, you know, sort of annual clients, they do their annual events and they, and they, and they work with us every single year. And what we've done with some of the events is actually we've made them so much smaller and they have, and, um, and, and our clients have found that they have worked far better than doing the larger events. And the events that we do are things like receptions and, um, yeah. and dinners in museums and galleries is, is, the, is the main style of events that we do. And, um, 
and I guess it would and it would fall it would fall for the for the events which are like award ceremonies as well. I mean, the award ceremonies. I see images of them um, online on Instagram of like you know three hundred, four hundred, five hundred people attending. But I do, I do question how much value did that person take? Apart from the person who won the award, everyone else did they did they really get much value from it? Um, mm. But our um, our dinners, as I say, they've got smaller and um, and more frequent. So rather than doing this one dinner that we used to do every single year for 150 people, we now do two for 60. Sure. And, and even in that 60, um, what um, our client does is it's 50% internal and 50% guests. So when we do a table plan, it is very much based on client host, client host, client host, client host. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that makes so much more sense because then they get so much more personal attention. They get spoken to. Um, and, and if you think about it, if you were doing a dinner party at home, that was you and your wife or your girlfriend, a partner, and you decided to invite 20 people and you had one evening with all of them. Could you genuinely say that you had a good conversation with all the people that came to your dinner party? Yeah, absolutely not. You couldn't. And, it, and it's the same. It's the same. I remember when I got married, you know, you have your guests there and you might be lucky yeah. to speak to each one of them for a couple of minutes. But it's physically impossible to spend any, you know, meaningful time meaningful every single time. person there and and that that translates directly to events you know particularly business events where you're inviting clients and, and the whole purpose of that event is is to get them interested in your business to secure them as a long-term client if they've done business with you before um yeah. you want to spend meaningful time don't you and and, and what's what's occurred to me this is it almost feels like the the, the jerry Maguire approach you know that the fewer clients um but more time with them yeah um, approach to to delivering these type of events yeah absolutely and um and the other point that you you mentioned earlier is that there are a lot more companies out there um you know that you know and there's a lot more companies that are being created that do the same things mm. so there's a lot more events companies um now than there were 12 years ago um and similarly throughout ac across the board so my my thought is actually I would love to see it if more people focused on doing and encouraging clients and making them understand that if they did a smaller event and more of them, then yeah. they'd get a lot more value out of that. And also it's a lot of money. So for a dinner party, you know, even if it was in a gallery, say you had um, 50 people there per plate that does work out sometimes around about 250, 300 pounds course, yeah. per, per, per person attending. And you've spent that, but you and they've come and they might have had a lovely meal and everything like that, but they didn't get what you wanted them to get. They didn't get you. They didn't get to speak to you. They didn't get your time. And that's what you wanted. And that's what they wanted. So make it possible so that both of you get out of it what you wanted to. Sure. It's imp and so, you know, make it realistic. Make your numbers realistic that you can actually talk to. And it is about getting to know that individual a bit more. Get personal, you know they're not a number they're not a name they're not a business title they're not a name badge mm. they're a lot more than just that when it comes to the structure of of the events that um, that you deliver um have you rethought um maybe not dramatically but um looked at ways to to reinvigorate what again was quite a formulaic way of delivering 
um, certain types of corporate event, you know, arrival, glass of fizz, um, a drinks reception, sit down, a three course meal, a presentation, you know, some entertainment, you know, that there was quite a sort of tick box approach to the way and the structure of some of those evenings. Um, have you rethought that, that at all? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I do think of some crazy ideas sometimes <clears throat> and, um, it's, it's still a bit of a battle trying to convince a client to do something um, different than the norm. But, you know, we, we, we do push that boundary a lot. So, you know, one of the ideas I had was, you know what, when you invite a guest um, and, and when they've said that they're coming, why don't we, one of my crazy ideas was, why don't we ask them what their favorite drink is and, and, where, that fav and where that favorite drink is? It, where they get that favorite drink from sure. what's their favorite bar and their favorite drink and then my thought was that um it, instead of having a drinks reception why don't we have it so that the guests actually get them get taken straight to their table for dinner and actually you get to s start a conversation at your table or around your table pre-dinner mm -hmm. and my thought was um, it would be amazing if we could recreate their their favorite drink as their first drink on arrival, <laughs> which is probably <laughs> insane to, you know, try and create. But you know what? If you kept it small, it's not to say that it wouldn't be possible. Well, again, the, 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 this, this level of, of, I suppose, detail and creating something that's very personalized. Yeah. Can realistically can only be achieved when you're dealing with smaller numbers. If you've got 200 people arriving for a drink reception with the best will in the world, you're not going to be able to, no. to deliver a personalized cocktail that each person no. requests. Um, yeah. But if your numbers are smaller, you can st suddenly start exploring ways to, to personalize your event. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, as well, is that, you know what, if you just did something slightly different, something a bit more personal, they will remember that forever. Hmm. For, I mean, I would remember if I went to somewhere and somebody said, oh, Mandy, here's an old fashioned for you. I'd be like, I love you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I remember, thank goodness I'm not getting a glass of champagne or a glass of wine that I don't particularly want. But I'd love to have an, an old fashioned. Um, you know, I would just remember that forever. But we do do other things as well is to make things um, personal. So we've done. Um, I personally did this, actually the end of the day and um reg didn't regret it but i was sort of like oh never doing that again i ha i hand embroidered everyone's names on their napkins for 60 <laughs> guests for a sit-down dinner and um and it and um and everyone loved it and they all took their uh their, they all took their napkins home um which was great but then the guests that didn't come <laughs> i was so upset because i had a handful of napkins that i didn't try to <laughs> embroidered and they didn't turn up normally it's just a seating card which you can sort of throw away in the bin you go oh they didn't come but this was kind of like no i'm taking the napkins home and forever will remember all those people that didn't turn up so i know all their names off by heart now because i see the names every day um but you know that was lovely another thing that we did this year was we had some um personalized um and, and especially commissioned by an artist, um, table mats made, which were mm. part, um, which were taken from the exhibition, which was the um, the exhibition that they were viewing during reception before they went up to dinner, and um, and everyone took their table mats home. It was amazing, and I even got phone calls and emails from guests that attended, um, wanting to buy the whole series, and uh, I had to explain to them that 
they weren't for sale they were commissioned especially just yeah. for that dinner but i had to have some more made up just because the guests wanted the full set <laughs> And again, what's 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 great about that? When you talk to people who who market events and and um, and who want mm. to, to to improve into attendee engagement, um, if you've got ways of reactivating the feeling that they had whilst they were at that event at other points beyond mm. that event, you mm. you've marketed your event brilliantly, and you you you've got your customers hooked. Then, um, and every time the people would to, to, those guests would take out the napkins or to look at the placemat, they would be reminded instantly, wouldn't they, of that particular event, oh, of yeah, which yeah, has got yeah. them then as a as a, as a as a customer and as a client. Yeah, we always try and think of something from uh, the event that the guests could take away home. Um, and would be personal to them, um, something that they would keep, um, and then they would then remember for the events. And that's what makes it memorable, and it will make it stand out. And there's just so many drinks and receptions, and you just find it's the same people that tend to go to the receptions and the dinners. Um, especially in, in, in the sector that I work in, being the museums and galleries, sure. um, because it's usually um, spot sponsors of exhibitions and galleries being like you know law firms and banks and sure, um yes. you know insurance kind of companies and, and, and so forth um but and and then and because they attend so many of these events all the time you need to make sure that yours is going to be the one that stands out from all the others in the time that you've worked and and, and mango pie has been in, in existence um working in the types of venues that you've described have you seen uh, an improvement in the way that the venues themselves host events and work with companies like your own um that, that there seems to be a lot more competition with the, with the for, for private event spaces and bespoke event spaces in london particularly um have you seen an improvement in how they actually operate and work with you um yes it's it's taken a long time and it's still a lot of work ahead mm. um because um the larger the larger institutions are still um, are still not sure, I think, about event um, management companies or agencies, as, as they would call us. I, I don't particularly like that title. Mm. Um, but um, so therefore, when they have their approved suppliers list, there is still no allocation for event management companies right. on there at all. Um, it was only because after working for six years at the National Portrait Gallery that I convinced them to create a new category in their uh, approved suppliers list to be called event management companies. Mm. Um, and it was, and it was, and it was all because um, I can I can understand that their point, their their thoughts were that well we have our list of caterers, we have our list of florists, and we have our list list of um, you know, lighting and mm. um, florists and, 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 and everything. Um, so why would a client need you? Yeah. Um, I can I hear complete... people screaming the answer down, down at the podcast who are listening in, but go on. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's really frustrating because believe me, even now I still get asked the same question. Sure. And then it does take a long time for me to explain that. Well, you know what, if, if a client, and a client may be um, educated enough to know all the suppliers that are on that suppliers list, but they won't really have the time to 
think about what is this event about? Mm-hmm. What am I trying to get out of it? Um, what's the best way of creating this event and designing this event? Um, and because they don't have time to do that, because they are <clears throat> probably in their stage like me when I was doing three events a week and la la la, they 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 need to be they need to be organising and getting on with it and get on with the next one, which I completely understand. But again, it goes back to the point that you know people are time poor, so you know it's almost like. I would love to be able to give them a helping hand to make the most out of their events, to get value, add value back into their event and yeah. be the one that go, right, I see your budget. I, I, I know what you're trying to achieve. And my feeling is this is the best way of designing it and creating it. And of course, there's always those bespoke element pieces are always the most time consuming ones you know it'll probably take you the same amount of time to organize a whole event as it would just to do that one bespoke element and nobody has that time um we do obviously because we only do 20 events a year um so you know and and or even researching on how to create that you know because it's not going to be possible from those regular suppliers it's going to be off that suppliers list to create that extra something um but then you know and then also liaising with everyone to make sure everybody understands what we're trying to achieve and the goal and the focus and what value the client is trying to get out of the event um it is it's so many it's it's so many different elements and and the whole i and the whole point is also for the venue is that we're always still going to be pushing boundaries. And although we know all their rules and regulations, we're always going to think, how can we do this differently? Mm. Cause we won't have that cookie cutter sort of formation and system that yeah. bar goes here and tables go there and, you know, kitchens set up there. We will, we will, we will try and figure out and do something different. But mm. now gallery love it because we're always going to show off their venue and show different ways it can be done and different things can be done so you know we did our dinner we did our uh 10 anniversary dinner um dinner celebration at the national portrait gallery and we did it in the main hall and um believe it or not no one's ever done a dinner (laughs) in the main hall (laughs) so i was just like let's do it let's do it let's take photographs and so that we can then showcase to everyone you can do a dinner in a main hall and this is what it would look like so you know it's just it's it's strange it's a simple thing but sometimes it 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 requires a little bit more time to think about it to create a different solution absolutely and insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result you know that's you know you you have to come in and 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 with different thinking and 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 a new viewpoint on things in order to to continually freshen things up and expect you know new business to come to you one thing that i'm Mm. curious about and you mentioned that when uh when it comes to approved suppliers lists um in the venues that you work in, if they do operate off of approved suppliers lists, if you have a really specific idea of what you want to create and how you want to do that, and are there ever instances where some of the suppliers who are on a venue's approved supply list physically don't have the capability to deliver what you want to do? And in that scenario, do you have the ability to maybe bring in 
suppliers that you do know can deliver your vision? Yeah, so um, because we are approved suppliers, we still have to abide by the same rules and regulations as all the others on the on the list. And one of them is that we have to have a 10 million pound insurance mm-hmm. and um, liabil- liability insurance. So therefore there have been certain cases when nobody else could do or achieve or bring in what we wanted them to, to do. And um, so we've been able to bring them basically under our insurance. Sure. So therefore we can still make it happen. So mm-hmm. it does work in that basis as well, because then we can, we can bring in other elements, but obviously this is all after getting, um, <coughs> excuse me, after getting approval from yeah. the venue and um, them being all okay with it. But on, on that does help to bring in something else different and, and variety that wouldn't have been possible if you just stuck strictly to going to those suppliers. Absolutely. We've been talking on today's podcast with uh, our guest Mandy Mayhill, and I, sh- I should have asked at the beginning, am I pronouncing that correctly? I've, I hope you've got the Mandy bit right. Is it, is it Mayhill? <laughs> uh, well, Mahill, but Mahill, Mahill, but, but you know, there's no R, there's no double L, so I can, I can understand where the confusion comes from, so it's fine. Not a problem at all. Mandy's uh, from Mango Pie, uh, an event management company um, based in London, founded in 2007. Just talking today on the podcast about um, the way that Mandy and, and her team deliver the events for their clients and maybe um, about rethinking uh, the formulaic way that, uh, that certain corporate events have been delivered over the years and how maybe by reducing the numbers can, uh, can allow them to focus a little bit more on those really, really important client relationships that ultimately the events are geared around delivering and improving. Um, Mandy, if any of our podcast followers want to get in touch with you guys at Mango Pie to find out um, a little bit more about what you can do, um, how can they do that? Uh, of course. Well, we um, have the website, which is mango-pie.com with all the other links that goes to our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. Um, our Instagram is mango pie events. Um, our Twitter is uh, mango underscore pie. Um, and or just email us on hello at mango pie.com. Fantastic. Thank you very much for joining the podcast today, Mandy. It's been great to talk to you and uh, to all our podcast followers. We will see you on the next edition of the Event Industry News podcast. Thanks very much for listening and very goodbye. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.